there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. We've been looking at the capacity of God's presence, and I want to continue from there. We've seen that the capacity of God's presence uh, is creative, creativity. In other words, it is creative. It's able to create something out of nothing. Number two, it unlocks provision. Number three, it turns around barrenness. And today, I want to look at number four, which is the capacity of God's presence, which is to demolish strongholds. The presence of God demolishes strongholds. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question. What is it that is a persistent issue in your life that stalks you every now and then? Which area do you feel Satan has a hook in you and is using that hook to control and manipulate your life? What is that one weakness or bad habit that has become such a stronghold in your life and is not easy for you to actually liberate yourself from? Is it something that you know very well or something that you can't really place a finger on, but you know that it exists in your life that really works against you. It fights you, frustrates you, it keeps you chained year in and year out. That particular thing that you're feeling is what we call a stronghold. The term stronghold appears severally in the Bible and is commonly referred to a fortress with a difficult or with difficult or with a, a difficult access rather. Let me say again. Let me repeat that again. The term stronghold appears severally in the Bible and is commonly referred to a fortress with a difficult access. It's not easy to access it. It's, it's, it's a fortress. It's a stronghold. It's a controlled area, a walled area that is not very easy for somebody to gain access to. Judges chapter 6 in verse 2 the Bible says, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. They had to go and build fortified, you know, places so that they could be able to hide and protect themselves from the Midianites who were after them. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14, the Bible says, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. Saul was after David, and David had to go and hide in the strongholds in the mountain, fortified areas, protected areas, so that it becomes difficult or it became difficult for Saul to access him. So when we talk about a stronghold, we're talking about a fortress. We're talking about a citadel or thick walls or a tall gate that protects an area. Apostle Paul in the New Testament uses the term strongholds metaphorically. And he uses this term to describe a mindset or an attitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5, for the weapons of our warfare of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down, shout the word, 
stronghold. Is that a shout? Shout the word. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down, shout the word. Yes. And then he continues to say, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, a stronghold is a fortified place, the center of support for a cause. It is a place where a particular belief is strongly defended or upheld. Spiritual stronghold or strongholds, ladies and gentlemen, are arguments or lofty opinions and thoughts that are held in esteem over God. These are arguments or lofty opinions or thoughts that are held in esteem over God. It's like you believe in these things more than you believe in God. You believe in these mindsets more than you believe in God. You believe in these notions more than you believe in God. Those are strongholds. Strongholds are an unhealthy thought patterns and habitual sins that we just can't seem to overcome. These are avenues through which Satan gets a foot in the door of our lives to control us, manipulate, and even defeat us. These avenues trigger explosive temper. They cause fragile self-image. They trigger voracious or insatiable appetites. They trigger distrust for authority, false beliefs about God and even about ourselves. These are intellectual doubts which lapse into apathy. Human reasoning reinforced with many subtle arguments and the pretense of logic. These are diabolic patterns and addictions, demonic grooves and ruts we find ourselves in. And these are fortresses of unbridled passion fueled by lust, pleasure, and greed. Strongholds also can be bitterness, pornography, gossip, sexual impurities, and such like. And they become so strong in our lives. Uh, they manipulate, control, and even bring us to a place where we feel defeated. Ask your neighbor for me, is there a stronghold in your life? So when the stronghold is there, what happens is it changes the way you think, changes the way you feel, changes the way you talk, changes the way you conduct yourself, and ultimately you begin to justify your participation in evil systems and you even rationalize your actions. Can we go deeper? What are the raw materials for strongholds? I want to share with you the raw materials for strongholds. What are these things that fuel strongholds in our lives? Because we want to deal with the strongholds that are in our lives. And the presence of God has a way of shattering strongholds in our lives. So what are these raw materials? Number one, you see, every stronghold starts with a suggestive uh, suggestive thought which emanates from the following sources. Number one is the upbringing. 
how you were raised can determine strongholds in your life. Your family upbringing can introduce strongholds in your life. First Kings chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 1 to 3, then we jump verse 25 to 26, then we jump to verse 33 to 34. 1 Kings chapter 15, let's read together. 1 Kings chapter number 15. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. Verse 2. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, the granddaughter of Abishalom, verse 3. And he walked, now, look at verse 3. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. So here is a guy, go back to verse 2. Okay, go back, back to verse 1. There's something I want you to see here. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. Now verse 2. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, the granddaughter of Abishalom. Then verse 3. He walked in all the sins. Of his father. So there was something that was in the family. Huh? A lot of sins, isn't it? And it's like it became a stronghold. Now the son is walking in all the sins of the father. Verse 25 of the same chapter. Jump to verse 25. Now, Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king. This is another son again became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. Verse 26. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his sin by which he made Israel sin. So the sin in this family became a stronghold. The father was in that sin. Now the children are in the same, same sin regardless of them being rulers of the nation. Verse 33 to 34. Verse 33 to 34. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Baasha, the son of Ahijah, became king over Israel in Tirzah, and he reigned 24 years. Verse 34. He did evil. In the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of who? You remember Jeroboam is in verse 1 as a very wicked guy. And in his sin, look at that, by which he made Israel sin. So there was sin in the family and the sons were finding it very difficult to please God because a stronghold of sinful behavior was already established in this family. And so the sons were just following what the father um, had done before them. So there was a pattern of sin which became a stronghold 
in this lineage. And the sons found themselves just behaving like the father. Your upbringing plays a very vital role in who you're going to become as a person. There is always somebody in the family who will introduce something in the family. It can be a father, it can be an uncle, it can be a grandfather, who will introduce something in the family. And that something can become a stronghold in the lives of people who belong to that family. You see, when you become poor, or if you're poor, let me use the word poor. If you're poor and you give birth to children, unless the children rise up and fight, they will think that poverty is a way of life. Because that is what you as a parent has introduced into their lives. My Lord, have mercy. It's like you guys don't want me to preach today. Hmm? Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why when you grow up in your family, at some point you think that the way your family is, that's how things are. For, for example, if you grow up in a family where... <laughs> eh? If you grow up in a family where... There is no enough food. You will think that is how life is. Until one day you visit your neighbor's house. And see how the kids of your neighbors are playing with food. They are even being told to eat and they are not eating. And you are there, your, your stomach is rumbling. Then you realize things are not supposed to be the way they are in, our, in, our, in, in your home. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So, so, so a father or a father figure can introduce something in a family and it becomes a stronghold. And it becomes a, such a strong stronghold in that family until the children think this is how life is supposed to be. That's why when you grow up in a family where a father is smoking, you find the children smoking. Because I don't think it's a bad thing. You grow up in a family where you're drinking. Your, your parents are drinking. You find yourself drinking. Because you don't think it's wrong to drink. Isn't it? Hey. I'm only hearing yes from this side. This side is resisting my message. I don't know if we understand each other. If, if you grow up and you see your father is always exchanging girls. Yeah, you will think that is how life is supposed to be. Even you start exchanging girls. Because the person that introduces something in the family as you're growing up, when you don't really know a lot of things, you might think that that is how things are supposed to be. If you grow up in a family that practices witchcraft, you will think that you're supposed to be a witch. And you will even start sharpening your skills. They are running, you will also start running at night. If they are running at night, you also wake up at 11. You do press-ups. The time has come. And you start running. Because according to you, this is how things are supposed to be. So it's a stronghold that can be in your life because of your upbringing. Amen? You know, when me, I was growing up, my, my uncles, my aunties, you know, when they visited, they used to call me aside and talk to me. And they used to tell me how 
I should be scared of money. Because money is not good. Money will kill you. Yeah, they used to tell me money will kill you. Money will make you end up in jail. Money is not good. You should, you should not. You should not. You should not like money. Run away from money. And I grew up knowing that money is bad. But after a while, I realized, ah, uh-uh, there must be balance. This money, I need it. Yeah, I need it so that I can do some, some things. So I knew what they were saying, but they never balanced it. They never balanced it. For me to understand that it doesn't need to control my life, but I need it. Everybody here, you need money, even if you don't say yes. You do. But I grew up thinking that if I have money, I'll be destroyed. If I have a lot of money, I'll be destroyed. So it, it was so wired in me that I was afraid to have a lot of money because I thought if I have a lot of money, I'll end up in jail. Now I've changed. I want a lot of money. Because I've even realized a lot of money can keep you out of jail. Oh, some of you will get it when you're having lunch. <laughs> Amen. So how you grow, how you were raised, things you saw as you are growing up can become a stronghold in your life. Amen. If you grow up in a family where they are practicing prostitutes, uh, uh, prostitution, rather, you become one. You become one because you think that is how things are. If you grow up and oh, everybody you know has gotten children out of wedlock, you will also go and try. Because you will feel like you're the only odd one out. Hey, I'm going home. Huh? So ask your neighbor, how is your upbringing? How was it? Number two, friends can introduce strongholds in your life. Serious strongholds. In your life. You know, one time I was in a crowd. I don't want to tell you which crowd was. I was in a particular crowd and I, I asked people, how many here, somebody you considered as a friend introduced you to something? And three quarters of the hands went up. Then I asked, how many here smoke? Some people lifted up their hands and I asked, how many here were introduced to smoking by a friend? A greater majority of them lifted up their hands. I asked another question. How many here were introduced to drinking by a friend? A majority lifted up their hands. You know, oh, or I should do right now so you believe what I'm saying. (laughs) In fact, some of us, even your first sexual encounter, it was a friend. Guy, 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 guy. People are not breathing in this service. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It was a friend who introduced you to it. It's, your fr- it's a friend who took you somewhere to meet somebody and introduced you to somebody, then left you with somebody, then locked the door. Ask your neighbor who introduced you to your first. Please talk to your neighbor. I'm preaching. Your neighbors are looking away. 
some, some of you were very nice until you met a particular friend. And things went haywire in your life. This side is very quiet. It's like they don't have friends. Some of you is the friends who introduce stealing in your life. You never stole until you met that particular friend. And you started stealing, stealing money from your mother's purse, stealing money from your father's wallet. Because somebody introduced you to it and it became a habit so strong. And it became a stronghold in your life. It, becomes, it became very difficult for you to break away from it. And there are people here who are still struggling with the things that they were introduced into by their friends. And they are here. But thank God, you're in the presence of God. Yeah. Because the presence of God will break strongholds in your life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Even cheating. A friend can introduce you to cheating. Yeah. Oh, yes. That friend knows you are married but can introduce you to cheating. And you start cheating. Hey. It's very quiet, Lord. Lord, I told you when I preach this message, they will not really respond to it. But I'll preach it anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Evil company will corrupt good morals or good behavior or good habits. So the people that you hang around with will always introduce bad things or good things in your life. Number three, another raw material for stronghold, strongholds in our lives is what you hear for a very long time. What you consistently hear will introduce some certain strongholds in your life. It is said that Adolf Hitler used to give a lot of speeches. He used to talk a lot on radio. He used to speak a lot to Germans. He loved talking on the radio to the masses all the time because he knew how powerful words are. He could manipulate people using words. That's why he was having all these speeches every now and then, creating hatred for the Jews through his speeches. By the time it was done, six million Jews had been killed. So what you consistently hear can also introduce a certain stronghold in your life. Amen. If, if you consistently hear people say this about a particular tribe, people say something about Luos all the time. They say something about Luos, Luos, Luos. It becomes a stronghold in your life. And you start seeing Luos in a different way. Or they tell you something about Kambas. Kambas are like this. Kambas are like this. Kambas, Kamba ladies are like this. It, it, it becomes a stronghold in your, in your head. When you meet a Kamba, you see them through the stronghold that is already established in your head. You're very quiet, but I'll preach anyway. Or oh, they tell you something about Kikuyus. And you hear, you hear, you hear, you hear, then it forms something in you. So when you meet a Kikuyu, you have certain spectacles that you use to deal with that Kikuyu. Or they tell you something about a lawyer or whichever tribe 
It becomes so strong. And sometimes you never know it's a stronghold until things like marriage come into place. You fall in love with somebody, you take that person home, they say, which tribe? Ah, they say, hey, hey, hey. not this one. This one, no. Because there's a stronghold. There's a stronghold, and they even tell you why. It's a stronghold that has been established because of what people hear. Praise the Lord. What people fail to understand is we will always come out of our tribes. I mean, you will not fall from the sky. You will come out of a particular tribe. If your father is a Meru, you will give birth to another Meru. <laughs> true or not true? If your father is a Kamba, you will give birth to another refined Kamba. If your father is a Luo, you will give birth to another Refined law. So we'll always come out of our tribes. And that's why you have to be very careful because when you have all these strongholds which now develop into stereotypes, you begin to judge people based on their tribe. Oh, I cannot marry a Kamba. Because if I marry a Kamba, Oh, I cannot marry a Luo. Because if I marry a Luo, or I cannot marry a Kikuyu. If I marry a Kikuyu, or I cannot marry... Where are you from? Strongholds. <laughs> you see, what you have heard over a consistent period of time unconsciously develops thought patterns that become strongholds in your mind. Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing, also other things come by hearing. Talk to me, somebody. If faith comes by hearing the word of God, it means that if you hear anything other than the word of God, it will also develop something in you. It will develop a stronghold, such a strong stronghold in your mind. Number four, another raw material for a stronghold in our minds is a nasty experience that you went through. A nasty experience that somebody went through. Let me tell you, there are people who have gone through nasty experiences. I'm telling you, tough things. They tell you their story and you even wonder how they made it. You wonder why they are even alive. Nasty experience can cause a septic wound that can become a stronghold in one's life. There are people, it's only recently that they understood the word love. They have gone through experiences that have made them never to understand what love really means. And met love needs. Omission of care. Broken relationships. Being unfulfilled in marriage. There are people who are married, but they don't know what marriage is. No, you can be married, but you don't know what marriage is. Yeah, you can be in marriage, but you don't enjoy it. So you don't even know if you're married or not. 
On paper, you are married, but you don't feel married. Hmm? You know, somebody told me, hey, yangu, apa, akuna kitu. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing here. But she's in my, but she said, there's nothing here. Yeah, there's nothing. Because when you're married, there are certain things you need to feel or have or experience for you to know you're married. Why are you very quiet this morning? You're making me nervous and I'm preaching very good. Huh? Like a pastor who was married for 11 years and only had sex. He was married for 10 years and only had sex 11 times. Wow, this area has now resurrected. <laughs> yeah, there's no marriage there. You are in it, but it doesn't feel like marriage. Isn't it true? Yeah, those things introduce some very bad strongholds in our lives. And sometimes those couples are forced to fake it. So when they're in the public, they hold hands. Yeah? The old ones, they are walking together. When you look at them, you say, wow. But for 10 years, suffering. But in the public, wow. They are holding hands. Walking together. But in their hearts, they are broken. In their hearts, there is a stronghold. There are wounds which have introduced strongholds in their hearts. So nasty experiences or broken relationships can introduce a wound which can become a stronghold in somebody's life. Look, if you have pledged to marry somebody and you marry them, make them know what marriage is. I beg you, make them know what marriage is. If you are a wife, make your husband know that he has married a woman. He has married a wife, not a knife. You don't want me to preach. Huh? Hallelujah. You know some of these ladies, they look very innocent, but some of them are very nasty. Some of them are wicked. The things they have done to the son of Abraham. Very wicked women, women, wicked wives with a lot of makeup and lipstick and elongated nails. Brazilian hair, fake hips, and high heels. But when they get to the house, the man can only cough outside the house.
wounds, terrible wounds, terrible deep wounds that become strongholds. Hmm. You see, a wound, heart, or disappointment can make one's heart fertile ground for seeds of lies. Seeds of lies to be planted on it. And on this foundation, a wall of lies and inaccurate ideas about love and relationships is erected. So you don't really have a clear picture of what love is because of the wounds and the hearts. Can I go deeper? Or sometimes someone you trusted who should have played even a father figure role in your life. You trust this person. You see this person as a father figure. And then this person changes, betrays your trust, and hurts you deeply. And then the devil lies to you that you will never be loved. Interferes. That experience interferes even with your relationship with God. You will never see God as a father to you. When we sing songs like, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. When we sing that song, you don't even sing it. Because a stronghold has been established. Somebody that was supposed to be a father figure, earthly father figure, betrayed you, hurt you so deeply that you don't have Anybody that you can trust as a father in your life, including God. You have trust issues. Yeah, people, because of betrayal, they have trust issues. They never trust anybody. It's not care. It's trust issues. It's not being careful. It's trust issues. You don't trust anybody. Some men have trust issues. They can't even stand seeing their wives greeting the pastor. They start having an asthma, asthmatic attack. It's a stronghold. Serious stronghold. You understand what I'm saying? Some parents cannot even allow the daughter to greet a boy. Greet a boy. Just greet a boy. Trust issues. They are thinking as he's greeting the boy. Something is taking place. There is exchange through the greeting. So she will keep, the parents will keep the daughter away from boys. Completely disconnect this girl from interacting with boys. Then they start having challenges when the girl falls in love with other girls. Now it's quiet. Now it's very quiet, but I'm preaching anyway. Look, as a pastor, I even prefer for a young man to come and tell me I'm struggling with fornication than to tell me I'm struggling with homosexuality. I'm going home. I even rather you tell me I have a problem, if you're a man, I have a problem with women. I rather, I, 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 I prefer dealing with such a problem. That problem is more sanctified. (laughs) 
But you don't know as a parent or as an individual that your stronghold can even affect other people. Because now you're trying to change a few things in their lives and you're going overboard and you end up destroying their lives in the long run. Praise the Lord. Ask your neighbor so far, have you seen your stronghold? So far. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes when I preach, some of you think I'm just giving stories. But it's not stories. Yeah. Me, I know of people who got married after a while. The wife is wondering, what's wrong with this man? This man is not touching me. He's not even touching me. Only to discover that the man is sleeping with other men. The husband is sleeping with other husbands. Other men. And me, I'm here praying. Oh, Father, bless him with the children. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, remember them. Father, we pray for oil. We pray for oil, oil, oil. Oil of the Holy Ghost. Father, quicken the gearbox in the name of Jesus. We hey. And I'm praying a miss. Tell your neighbor, strongholds, strongholds, strongholds. I pray that every stronghold will be broken in your life. In the name of Jesus. Any invisible stronghold will be broken in your life. Shout a louder, amen. amen. Number five. Cultural practices. Cultural practices. Cultural practices become concrete beliefs that we have believed and adopted as truth which are in conflict with the word of God. These are concrete beliefs that we have believed in and we have even adopted them as truth, yet they are in conflict with the word of God. And we have all these cultural beliefs in our different cultures. Kambas have their own cultural beliefs. Luos have their own cultural beliefs. Kikuyus have their own cultural beliefs. Luyas have their own. Every tribe has some things. Has some issues. Isn't it true? Yeah. So you can't just tell us that your tribe is the, the right one. Or your tribe is the chosen one. Every tribe has issues. Yeah, others are facing Mount Kenya. Others are facing Lake Victoria. I mean, every tribe has something. They have something. And sometimes those cultural practices, they infiltrate our lives, even as Christians, and they become strongholds. And some of them are not in tandem with God's word. But because we are in it, we have been raised in it, we have seen it, we have participated in it, we have accepted it as truth, but it's not the truth. When your grandmother dies, you have to be shaved. Your hair has to be shaved. Why are you touching my hair?
But because you found it in the family as a cultural practice and everybody's doing it, you continue doing it. But if you follow and discover the root cause of it, you'll be, sh you'll be shocked. I mean, Christians are Christians when something has not happened. Let death happen in the family. And you see Christians changing color. Even in your own family, you see somebody that was born again speaking in tongues change and participate in cultural practices that are very demonic and diabolic because it's a stronghold in the family. Very strong family. A very strong uh, stronghold in the family. Hallelujah. Seasons of circumcision. Very serious. Very deep things. Deep. Words are spoken to the boys who are being circumcised. And you as a Christian, you also take your son there. And they go, they call elders, and elders are talking to your son, to your son and to other sons who have been circumcised while spitting on them, saliva, telling them from today, we are sharpening your pencil. And your pencil should start writing. Any paper you see, write. Hey. Any door that is open is yours. I know of a pastor who went through traditional way of circumcision. He told me since then he has really been struggling. And he's a pastor. And he told me what he went through. How they went to the bush. I think it's a bush or forest. And they were staying there. And they were being visited. Hmm? See, 21 days staying in the forest. And he told me the things they were being told. And the animals that were being slaughtered. And how they were taking pieces of meat and wrapping around their necks. And speaking to them as, as blood is dripping to the ground. Those are serious covenants. And he was even telling, hey, should I continue or what? People are looking down now. Eh? And he was telling me, can I tell you, can I be real with you today? And he was even, this is, this is a man, and he was even telling me, while he was still in pain and nursing his injury, he was having an erection. Now, look at the way you're quiet. Until now, it's like what I've said is. And he's bleeding. And they were talking to them. 21 days. He, was, he told me it got to a place the thing grabbed him so, gripped him so much that he's just, he was waiting for the day he will come from the bush. And he was saying, may God have mercy on the woman, the first woman I'll find. Yeah. And he struggled for many years. Because a stronghold was established in him. Cultural practices. They are serious. Don't play with cultural practices. Going to dance on the grave. Pouring milk on the grave. Pouring blood on the grave. 
Should you be covering the grave? Should you be unveiling the cross? What are you going to unveil? Whose cross? Ask your neighbor, whose cross are you going to unveil? And then after you unveil, what's going to happen? Mark chapter 7. I think you are not ready for this preaching this morning. Mark chapter 7 verse 13. The Bible says, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions. The word of God wants to penetrate your life, but because you are clinging to your traditions too much, the word of God loses power. It cannot work in your life. So all these and many others, go forward a bit, they, they, they change the way you think. They determine your thought patterns. And this is the sequence of what's going to take place in your life. Your thoughts become your words. And then your words become your actions. And then your actions become your habits. And then your habits become your character. And then your character finally becomes your destiny. And now it's like you're trapped. You are in this wall that is erected all around you in your mind. You're trapped and you can't break out. You're manipulated. You're controlled. You are defeated. You can't pray. You can't fast. You can't serve God effectively because you're now imprisoned by that stronghold. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The weapon that we have to pull down strongholds is the presence of God. Because you can't see it with your naked eye, yet it's so real. Can I hear an amen? The presence of God is so powerful. That's why you have to keep on exposing yourself to God's presence so that every stronghold in your life may be broken. Amen. By being in his presence, I pray for you that this presence will shatter any invisible stronghold in your mind in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder, amen. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 19. Let's see how the presence of God... I will continue with this this coming Sunday. I will go deeper and unpack the presence of God and how it shatters strongholds in our lives. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 19. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely, in that day... There shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. So that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. Hi, very powerful. Let me read again. So that the fish of the sea, mm -hmm, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep 
on the earth. You see, sometimes when you look at some demonic strongholds, they manifest themselves through creatures. Creatures. Somebody say creatures. God here is saying, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep on the face, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The presence of God has shaking power. I say the presence of God has shaking power. It's able to shake any stronghold that is established in your life. And then the Bible says, the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall, talk to me somebody, shall fall where? To the ground. Because of what? Because of the presence of God. Any wall surrounding you, like, 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 like a citadel, like a fortress, may the presence of God bring it down in the name of Jesus. Oh yes, that's how powerful the presence of God is. Every wall, every steep place shall fall because of the presence of God. You see, every time you come to the presence of God, you don't notice that there is something that is happening in the spiritual realm. Walls are being broken. Walls are being shattered. Mindsets are being changed. Things that we grew up with, things that our friends introduced us into, smoking, drinking, sleeping around, lying, you know, running at night. <laughs> Those walls are being broken. In the presence of God. That's why you realize the more you come into the presence of God, the more you lose appetite for some of these things. They don't tempt you the way they used to tempt you. It's like their temptation is not as strong as it used to. It is still there, but it's not as strong as it used to because walls have been brought down by the presence of God. Strongholds have been destroyed by the presence of God. I wish I got a witness in this house. Give somebody a high five and tell them my walls are coming down. My strongholds are coming down. My mountains are being destroyed because of the presence of God. Let there be a shaking in your life. I say let there be a shaking in your mind. May the presence of God shake every stronghold established in your mind and in your life. May it pulverize every mountain in your mind, in the name of Jesus, shout a louder amen in this heart. Wow. Let me give you another scripture here. Very powerful. Sit down. Psalms 114. Tell your neighbor they will break. Strongholds will break. Psalms 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from, from the house of Jacob from a people of strange, strange language. Verse 2. Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The little hills like little, like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled 
all Jordan that you turn back. You see, all these things are responding to something. The sea is responding to something. It's fleeing. Jordan is turning back. They are responding to something. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? Oh, Jordan, that you turn back. Verse 6. All mountains that you skipped like rams. All little hills like lambs. There is something the mountains have seen. There is something the hills have seen. That's why they are responding in this way. Tremble, O earth, at, talk to me, at the presence. Yes, so the presence of God is making the hill, the mountains, the sea. It is making Jordan to respond the way they are responding here. The sea is fleeing from the presence of God. Jordan is affected by the presence of God. Mountains are being affected by the presence of God. The hills are being affected by the presence of God. The earth is trembling at the presence of the God of Jacob. Verse 8. Are you with me, somebody? Who turned the rock into a pool of water? Who glory. The flint into a fountain of waters. So you can see that this is the presence of God that is doing so. The presence of God turned the rock into the pool of water. Now when you look at a rock for you, let me ask you. What can you do to a rock to make it turn into water? Take a rock and make it turn into water. It's almost impossible. No matter how you crush it, it can never turn into water. But that's how powerful the presence of God is. Who turned the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain of waters. That's how powerful the presence of God is. So no matter how your stronghold presents itself, it can be like a rock, it can be like a flint, and you're thinking it can never be moved. But when you drag that stronghold in the presence of God, it will turn into a pool of water. I say it will turn into a pool of water. I prophesy every stronghold represented here, may it turn into a pool of water. Every stronghold that looks like a rock, may the presence of God melt that, uh, that rock in the name of Jesus. Melt that stronghold in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder, yes. Those are musicians. I was very happy that they are responding to an altar call before I called. Tell your neighbor, my rock is melting. Tell them, my stronghold is being destroyed by the presence of God. You know, there are some, some, some people here, as I was sharing, you, you could see a stronghold that has been in your family for years. You can see, you, you can see it. And some of you can see even a stronghold that has been in your life for years. It's, it's like a rock. It's like a rock. But hear the word of the Lord this morning. That in his presence are rocks 
turn into a pool of water. May every stronghold that has been stubborn, that has been in your life, in your mind, in your family for years, may it turn into a pool of water. May God break that stronghold. May the presence of God shatter that stronghold. If you believe it, shout a louder, amen. Can we give God praise for victory in advance? Woo, glory to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.